Good morning. Happy Labor Day. Woo! Big vacation weekend. I like that. I always get to teach on this day. <laughs> hey, um, some of you guys know that I have two dogs, a dog, Max and Emmy. They're both Boston Terriers. And uh, Emmy was in heat a couple months ago. And <laughs> I guess she's, she's experienced this before. What happens is like some kind of pheromone, hormone thing goes on, and the, dog, the male dog goes nuts. He goes crazy, you know? I mean, he's ravenous. I don't know, maybe some of you ladies have experienced that at home or not. But anyway, he goes crazy. And, you know, he, we'd come home and we'd slide open the door and he'd run right after the girl instead of getting food. And, like, his main love language is food. So I'm like, dude, this is powerful stuff. And, we, of course, you have to keep them separated during that time. And so we, we had one in the Florida room and one inside the house. And we would close the screen door to the Florida room when we were gone, and then we would return home. Well, one day we returned home, and there was a hole in the screen door the size of Max. You know? (laughs) So we're like, oh, man. So we, you know, we kept them separated for the duration of the time continually. And then, you know, we were wondering maybe if anything happened, if she got pregnant. And so, uh, you know, as we saw her begin to develop, her teats got bigger. Can I say teats in church? Okay, I mean it in the most innocent sense. They're starting to get bigger, and we're like, hey, this is one of the signs. So, you know, my wife Carolina takes her to the vet, and the vet looks at her, does the blood test and everything. Sure enough, she's pregnant. And uh, so two nights ago, Thursday night, she's panting. She's getting, you know, she's getting, like, to the point, and she's all big and everything. And we're like, oh, man, she's going to deliver in a short time. So we go to bed at about 11 o'clock at night thinking she's going to deliver within, like, 12 hours. And so at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm sleeping, and I'm hearing this heavy breathing. <sighs> you know, and you're just so tired at 2, and you're like, ah, I'm not going to get up. And then I'm like, all right, got to see if this puppy, this dog needs some help, right? So I, I roll over to the edge of the bed, climb over my wife, and I look down, and in the dark, I see this cute little white face and little hands. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're here, you know? There's a puppy here. Wait, there's three of them. And you can look over, Carol's like, out cold, you know, and I'm like, honey, wake up, and she won't wake up, I shake her, so she gets up, we turn on the lights, you know, we're there, and it's like two in the morning, we, we go to like, th- after three, and she delivers six puppies, they're awesome, look at, I got a picture of her nursery, see, Carol made that, the Emmy's nursery, and then here they, a bunch of them, I got a closer view here, you see, one, he's on right there, two, this one's upside down, I don't know what he's doing, three, that's three, four, five, six, we got another little close up. Look at that. I know. I know. They're like melting my heart here. I got one more picture. Look at that one. He looks like a little panda bear. I'm like, you're so cute. Man, I, I love these puppies. I'm like, I'm staring at the box constantly. I'm in there. I'm like, I could stare at them for hours. She's like, I don't know what's wrong with you. I'm like, I love them. They're beautiful. I wish I could be their size so I could jump in the little puppy pile and hang out with them. They're so awesome. I'm like, they are amazing. I just love them. And um, so these puppies, I, they're, you know, something about them, like, I don't even care that they poop in the wrong places, right? The first time they, I was so excited, like, they pooped. I'm like, look at the cute little poop. And I texted my wife, like, they pooped. They're healthy. I was so excited. And uh, I don't know, you know, something about newborns and puppies and stuff, they're just beautiful, aren't they? They're just so attractive. I think it's kind of like there's, 
there's like this innocence to them. Because even like the worst, meanest animal still looks cute, right? Like, like a tiger or a Bengal tiger, little cub will look so awesome. We all want to go over and hug it or a bear. You know, even I, I think even the alligator, you know, I just, seriously, those little ones are cute. And they got hippos and elephants, giraffes, whatever. They're all so cute. And again, I think it's like this newness, this innocence, this purity to them. We think like they're never going to get mean. They're never going to do anything wrong. And they have no bad habits. And we want them to stay that way forever. We wish they were always new baby puppies. And there's an attraction to things that are new, isn't there? There's just like, when things are new, they're awesome. Guys, today, today is my first year anniversary with my wife. That's right. And it's been awesome. It's been an awesome year. I am actually wearing, in honor of our wedding, this is the shirt I wore uh, when I got married. I didn't wear a tuxedo because we did it down in Mexico. We did it with the old style. And uh, so anyway, it was an awesome year. It's one of those things that's brand new. It's great. And we like new things. The new things, they have no scratches in them. They have no dents. They're undefiled. No funky smells. You know what I'm saying? Everything is new. They're perfect without the flaws that time will bring eventually and uh there's just something great about new stuff and i think to myself what if there was a place that was like always new just always new that would be so awesome wouldn't it well there is a place like that it's called heaven all right amen i like that over there you know we've all heard about heaven you know we heard jokes about it like saint peter standing at the pearly gates right jokes about the streets of gold we have preconceived notions about heaven we think we're all going to be floating on a fluffy pink or white cloud playing a harp and we have all these ideas about heaven well today we're actually going to get a peek at what heaven is really like we're going to pull back some of the time and check it out what it looks like in the future because we're in a series called it's the end of the world as we know it which is a series through revelation and we're in the last two chapters and so we're going to we save the best for last <clears throat> and we're going to get this glimpse into heaven and this area of scripture is the most descriptive when it comes to what heaven looks like. So if you guys will turn in your Bibles to chapter 21 or look at it on the screen, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. One day... God is going to make everything new, just like it says there. There's going to be a brand new heaven and earth. In the last chapter, heaven and earth actually disappeared. They were gone. God took them out of the way. He said, I'm, they're out of here. You see, no more. There will be no more um, seas there. 
on this new earth to divide the nations so we can just walk over and go visit somebody. There's no more global warming, no more toxic dumps, no more acid rain, no more all those things that we deal with this planet right now because it's all going to be made brand new, just like a new puppy. But there's also going to be a new you. There's going to be emotionally, you're going to be new. There's going to be no more sorrow. There's no more pain, no more suffering. There's going to be no more mental disorders, no baggage that you've got left behind. In fact, it says in light of how great heaven is, we're not going to be, it's not going to even be worthy of remembering the things of the past. Listen to this. It says in Isaiah, behold, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. They won't even come to mind. All these things are going to be overshadowed by the glory of, of heaven. It's kind of like when a woman gives birth. All this pain that she has, but then with the joy of the new child, she tends to forget how bad it was. And so they want to have another one. And then they remember how bad it was. <laughs> but listen, physically, you won't feel any pains. Because you're going to get a brand new body. Listen to what it says in Philippians. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. There's no more constant battle to stay into shape. There's no sickness or dying or deformities. Man, you're going to have the nose that you always wanted. And if you want hair, as much as you want, you can have muscles. <laughs> Listen, if you don't have any teeth or you're missing a few, you're going to get all those back, by the way. There's coming a day, and it's not that far away, where God is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. Everything that's caused you pain, is going to, he's just going to take it away. The day is coming where he's going to make all things new. Everything brand spanking new. One day. But what about today? What about right now? We're feeling pain right now in our bodies. Emotional issues. We're going through stress. Our body hurts. Marriage is on the rocks. We're tired of being single. We're tired of being married. Whatever your case is. It's great to hear about heaven and how awesome it's going to be. But what about today? What about here and now? What about that child that rebelled and caused that anguish and that pain? What about that family that you wanted to stay together so desperately and it didn't work out right? What about the doctor who says your days are few, they're numbered? What about these things that come into our lives, relationships that didn't work or the foreclosure on their dream house is gone? And you're saying to me right now, I hear what you're saying about heaven, but right now I feel broken. I feel tears in my eyes. I feel like I'm crying. And some of you are hurt physically and some of you are hurt emotionally. You know, if you remember our study a few weeks back, about five weeks back, I did a study, Revelation chapter 16. And we talked about trials, that they don't all come from God. Some do, but not all of them. But wherever the trials come from, God is going to make those trials and use them for something good in your life. Listen to this. The Bible says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. When trials come into my life, God is going to use them for my good and for your good. That's what he says. Listen, in your outline, I've created a few things I'd like you to follow along. You can fill out point number one. It says, when trials come into my life, God is strengthening my faith. 
He's strengthening my faith. Do you guys know any fidgety people? You know, people who have to always have their hands going, they're doing things all the time. I'm, I'm kind of one of those people. I'm always doing stuff. But, you know, our pastor Mark, he's one of those people. You know, when we sit in a staff meeting, he sits near me. I try to keep my pen away from him because he'll pull the cap off and he'll snap that little thing. Because he's always playing with it. I'm like, leave my pens alone. You know, and he's always doing things like that because he's got to just keep those hands moving. He'll come into my office. I've got this screwdriver. I don't know if you guys, I have this really large screwdriver. I love it. It's like a little conversation piece. But I actually use it. So I'm using it. And I'll put it on my desk. Mark will come in and talk to me. And I'm talking with him. And I'll go back to doing it. I look up to grab it. It's gone. And I'm like, walk into his office. And there he is with it in his hands. You know, and I'm like, Mark, can I have my screwdriver back? He's like, oh, didn't even realize I, I had grabbed it from you. You know, and I'm like that too, just fidgety, right? So you walk into Mark's office and there'll be like broken paper clips, right? Because you guys, you know what happens, right? When you keep bending and playing with a paper clip, that it starts to get weak and it breaks, right? Because on the molecular level, that metal can't take the stress because it can't move around. So you're straining that bond. You're testing that bond. You're breaking it, and it will weaken and fall apart. You know how to make sure that when you bend metal that it stays strong? You've got to heat it up. You've got to heat it up. So what I decided to do today is I thought I would bring a little heat with us. So let's see what we got here. Uh-oh. There we go. All right. Relax. I'm a professional here, okay? First off, you have to put on the proper equipment. Okay, good. So just take a moment. Listen, you got to heat up. You got to heat it up. All right, listen. I am a professional. I don't encourage that any of you do this at home. Oh, yeah. I like that. Get that burning up. Okay, good. And when you apply heat to it, it's going to start to get really hot. Listen, anybody got a marshmallow or two around here? Let me turn that a little bit so you guys can see. And now what's happening right here is I'm heating this metal, is that this metal is starting to expand. The molecules are. And as it expands a little bit, it's going to enable those molecules to jump around in there and reform a different bond. And so when that happens, now I can actually bend the metal, and it's not going to be weaker, but it's actually going to be stronger. Oh, we got that red hot, don't we? It's actually going to be stronger. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Now that's not going to fall apart. In fact, if you cool it really fast, that thing is going to even get harder and even stronger. Uh-oh. Listen, I had, a, uh, I had a fire extinguisher right here, just in case. Listen, that's what's happening in your life. When God brings trials into your life, when he brings the heat into your life, God is making your faith stronger. Listen to this verse. It says this, So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you as much praise and glory and honor on the day when Christ Jesus is revealed to the whole world. He's strengthening you. This verse tells us that when Pete is in your life, God is going to use it to make your faith stronger. Man, when I was a child, and even up, way up into my 20s, almost 30 years old, I had a recurring dream. I would always have this dream. It wasn't exactly the same, but they were always similar, the same theme. 
I'd be hanging out with a friend or family or somebody, and we'd be there doing stuff, and all of a sudden, a monster would break in. And sometimes it was a dragon, sometimes it was like an ogre, sometimes it was a beast, I don't know. It always happened. And then we'd all run. And I'd run away, and we'd all run, and the beast would come after me, and he would try to catch me through the whole thing. And I am not joking. I didn't have it every day, but I had it recurring over and over and over again. I don't know if you guys know about my past. I've spoken a little bit about it, but when I was six years old, my parents abandoned me. They sent me on a bus to be with my grandparents. And when I got to my grandparents, my grandfather died when I was like 11. And then when I was in high school, my grandmother died. And these catastrophes keep happening in my life. It's no wonder I'm dreaming like that. Because I kept thinking, I'm just around the corner from another big disaster. And I'm going to fall and it's going to wipe me out. When I became a Christian, the dream actually went away. Because I began to learn and trust that God was not going to let me down. He wasn't going to let me fall. When I knew that, I then understood that God would always be there for me no matter how bad it gets, no matter how difficult, He's not going to let me be crushed. Listen to this verse. It says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. You see, your faith is being strengthened. Not faith in trials, but faith in Jesus. Listen, trials put a strain on our ability to keep our faith in God, don't they? Man, when life is so cruel that God seems like he's a million miles away, when the circumstances seem to mock everything that we believe in, when we pray and cry out to God but he doesn't seem to be answering, listen, faith is not trusting God when everything, when we have every reason to believe. Faith is trusting when we don't. Believing that God has his best in mind for us despite where the circumstances seem to indicate that. That's when faith is. You see, your ability to handle difficulties in life is going to be based on the strength of your faith, not the strength of your ability. Because I'll tell you something, there's going to be a trial that comes that's greater than your ability. And the thing that's going to get you through it is your faith. Have you ever met someone, like a Christian or some person, and they're like a rock? I mean, things are falling down around them. They're having physical problems or there's financial difficulties or relationship issues. And they're just like a rock, right? Because they're putting their faith and their trust in God despite what the circumstances are telling them. Listen, God wants to strengthen your faith. But number two, he's making a better me. God is making a better me. He's perfecting us through the trials. Look, and just like metal can be heated up like that, the way they purify gold is actually they melt it. They put so much heat on that thing that it melts. And when the gold melts, it's very dense. And so it goes to the bottom. And guess what goes to the top? All the things that aren't gold. All the things that are impure. All the things that don't work out. That's how they do it. It's the only way to purify gold. You've got to heat it up. And that's what happens. God so often is using that same process in your and my life. When heat is applied to our lives, when trials come, it reveals what we're really made of, doesn't it? Who we really are. You see, it's easy to be calm and cool and collected when life is simple, when life is going good. But you put a person outside their comfort zone, you disrupt the status quo in their life, and then you'll see what's really deep down inside. You know, the person, or the true measure of person, is how they handle adversity. In my neighborhood, there's this guy named Robert. And you probably have all seen a guy like this. He's the crazy guy that lives in your neighborhood. And he walks down my street, back and forth. He's one of those guys, he carries a radio, there's nothing playing, you know. And, and then he's talking to himself and saying weird things, you know. 
And that's who he is. He literally, he's in my neighborhood. Well, a few years back, uh, there was a hurricane, big hurricanes, you guys remember? And he was like um, two miles away at the nearest grocery store. And I went over there because I was seeing if there was any power, etc. And I saw him in the parking lot and I'd recognized him from walking by my house. And I said, I rolled down the window. I said, hey, would you like a ride? And he's like, who are you? And I'm like, well, you live in my neighborhood. I see you a lot. And he's like, all right. Uh, I'll take the ride. So I bring him back. And then after that, he slowly wants to be friends. And sometimes when he walks by my house, depending on his medication, he may recognize me or he may not. Now, Robert is one of those guys. He's got big brown eyes. They're like a light brown. But he has got his eyes are dilated to like the size of a pin. I mean, it's freaky, you know, and it's like kind of scary to look at. And then he, he eats something. I don't know why he always seems to have food, but it's always right here hanging on his thing. And I hate that. That gives me the heebie-jeebies. And it's like just hard to... But I try to be nice to him, and I'm trying to be friendly. And lately, he's been coming over my house and banging on the door. And when he bangs on the door, he doesn't go like this. He goes, you know, pounding like so loud. And I'm like, you know, dude, you're scaring me. So he comes by. He keeps coming by. And one night, it's like 9 o'clock. I'm just relaxing with Carolina. And uh, bam, bam, bam on my door. And I'm like... What the? And I come out the door, and I and there he is. I'm like, Robert, what are you doing? Why are you banging on my door? And he's like, Why? What's going on? Doing something private? I'm like, It's none of your business. You know, it's like, I'm like, Dude, you're not so. Don't keep coming to my house and not pounding on my door. And uh, and there I'm kind of going off, and I'm like, You know, dude, you scared me when you pounded that hard. And he goes, Well, I'm scared too. And I'm like, What? And he's like, Drugs and Miramar. And I'm like, What is wrong with this guy? You know, he goes off. He's like, you don't have time for me. You're a pastor, but you have no time for people in Miramar. I don't know. And he left, and I felt horrible. I felt bad. And I'm like, but here's... And and I went the next day and apologized to him. It was two days. And listen, the thing was... (laughs) The thing was, it's... um, He caught me off guard. He caught me out of my zone. You know, it's easy to be nice, cool, calm, Pastor John when everything's going smooth. But then this guy pounds on my door, shakes me up a little, and I come, and I'm freaking out on him. And I'm like... Whoa, God just, there's something just came to the surface of that gold, right? And it revealed itself to me. You know, when God turns up the heat and he puts us off kilter and we hit these trials, we really begin to see who we truly are. Listen, God's going to do that once in a while so that we can see what it is and skim it off. He's going to turn up the heat a little bit because he wants to make us better. Listen to this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Sometimes people come up to me and say that I'm really beginning to see that I have some bad habits, like a lot of Christian people will. You know, like, oh man, I know what a sinner I am now, and I'm just so depressed. And you see, what usually happens in a Christian's life is they come to the Lord, and there's some just obvious things that are wrong in your life. Could be relationships, could be bad habits, maybe you're swearing a lot. And God will tend to like point that out, and we seem to know it, and we kind of deal with that issue, right? And so we think we're doing good, but then what happens is we start seeing more things. And they get depressed, and I say, you know what, that's great. I love it, that's awesome. You know why? Because that means God is working on you. You know, God started something in you, and he's the type of person who's going to complete it. And what God will do in your life is he'll slowly peel back the layer. He'll slowly turn up the heat and you'll see what's going to rise. So that you can see what you're really going, what's really going on inside of you. So that you can deal with those issues because he wants to purify you. He wants to refine you and make you better. And listen, when you tackle one issue, God's going to reveal another one. And you're going to tackle another and God's going to reveal it. And that's awesome. Don't feel bad that you're feeling, finding out more bad things. Rejoice that you're finding those things because you're realizing something. That God is working in you. 
He's trying to perfect you. Listen, you are a work in progress. God says you're his workmanship. Listen to this. I am certain that God, who began the good working within you, will continue his work until it finally finished on the day when Christ returns. When things get tough, remember, God will use it to make you better. Listen, the third thing. God is turning my focus toward heaven. God's desire is to live with you and me. We're going to read the rest of Revelation 21, verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride and the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like the most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, he had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out in a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, twelve thousand furlongs, its length, breadth, and height are equal. That's 1,500 miles. Excuse me. And he measured its, one, its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was of pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, excuse me, the eleventh, I don't even know, and the twelfth amethyst. All these beautiful, precious stones the city is made from. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. There's where we get the idea of the twelve pearly gates. Each individual gate was one pearl, and the city of, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut all day, there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, but there shall be no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Listen, God wants to live with you and me. And he's bringing this giant, jeweled, unbelievable city down, and he calls it the bride. In the, and all throughout the scriptures, the church is known as the bride. We're going to be living in that city with God. Can you imagine? God's going to be right there. For all of you who say, or heard people say, where's God? We're going to go, hey, let's go. I'll show you him right now. We're going to walk over there and see him. Wouldn't that be awesome? Listen, when you have major issues and you need advice, you just walk up and God's going to tell you what you need to do. And we're going to experience his glory. We're going to be there. You need 50 bucks for gas? You walk over there, God's going to give it to you. He's going to take care of every problem that you have. But what if God never showed us what heaven was like? What if there was no promise of heaven? 
In the descriptions of heaven, we don't really know exactly what it's going to be like. I mean, we see this city and we know there's no more tears. We know a lot of these things. But it's going to be so much better than we imagine because we can't understand everything from this side of this world. Because it's different there. I mean, we're going to have these bodies. What are they going to be able to do? Can I teleport like from here to there? Just boop, pop up over there. You know, our new bodies, it says there's no night. In fact, there's no sun. God lights everything. No night. That means we're never going to rest. I'm never going to have to take a nap again. Some of you are sad about that. But, you know, you're not going to get tired. Let's put it that way. All those aches and pains, you're not going to feel any of that. It's going to be awesome. We're just going to be living on and on. And listen, there's no more temple there. That means there's no more sin. No more corruption. No more need to make a sacrifice. Because we're going to be pure. We don't have to be hindered by those things anymore. It's going to be so awesome. Listen, if life were nothing but good down here, then there would be no need for us to wish to be in heaven. Paul tells us that day is drawing closer. But God wants to put into perspective what our trials are like compared to heaven. When we fix our eyes on the goal, then we try to reach it. You guys remember the 2004 World Series, Kurt Schilling, right? Just before the series, the last game with the Yankees, they came back and he was pitching and he won that game for them and he had surgery on his ankles, didn't he? You guys remember? Do you remember that shot they would keep showing of his ankle bleeding, the sutures through the sock? Because he had his eye on the goal. Most times he would have just got out of that game, right? But no, the World Series is on the line. And in fact, it was 86 years since the Sox had won. Man, this was the biggie. And then he goes on and they win. And it drove him, just like many athletes, when they see the goal, they continue to drive toward it. You know, my wife, Carolina, I love her. She hates scary movies and like the gory scenes and stuff. She, like, when they come up, she grabs my arm, and she buries her head, you know? And she's like, they got the, suddenly she has the strength of a wrestler, you know? She's grabbing me and pulling me around, and, and she's like, tell me when I can look, tell me when I can look, tell me when I can look. I'm like, woman, be quiet so I can tell you when it's time, you know? And she's just like, and she just goes nuts, because it's scary, right? You guys ever watch a scary movie twice? Second time, what happens? Well, I know what's going to happen. It's not so scary anymore. God gives us this picture of heaven. He says, this is what the goal is. This is the end of the book. This is the end of the story. You know what's going to happen. So you know he's going to make it through. She's going to make it through. The monster's not going to get her. Whatever's not going to happen. And we see that. And he says, look, this is the end. And so though you're going through some difficulties now, the end is awesome. Listen to what it says here in Romans. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory... We must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Man, something awesome is coming. Trials help us look forward to heaven. One day we're going to be face to face with Jesus. And I've, I've often wondered what he even looks like. like what's it going to be to be in his presence? Sometimes I'm envious that the apostles and those people were able to be there. Listen, when we get there, every difficult trial that you ever had is just going to melt away by comparison. I'm not even going to care about that stuff anymore. You see, we're not living for today, but instead we are living for the day when we stand in the presence of Jesus. You know, we need to trust in God no matter what. No matter how bad tomorrow is, we don't know what tomorrow's bringing. You don't know what's going to happen when you show up at work this week. You don't know what's going to happen when you get in your car and you drive onto that freeway. You don't know what's going to happen when you go home to see that son or daughter or whatever that issue is. You do not know what's going to happen, but we do know this, that heaven is there waiting for us 
And that's where we're going to go. You see, whatever happens in life, we have the hope that one day there's going to be no more hurting, no more sorrow, and no more pain. And that's why Paul says this. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things we cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Listen, I just want to... Chapter 22, we have to sneak into there because there's the rest of heaven. So we're going to read five more verses. Verse 1 says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, producing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there is no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There should be no more night there. There's no need. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. You know, really, the Bible can be summed up in the story of three trees. Three trees. In this area right now, we see this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm excuse me, the tree of the knowledge of life. That it gives life to the nations. God's living with us. And it gives us and he provides for the nations food because every month it produces a new type of fruit. And the leaves are made for the healing of the nations so that there will never be any more sickness ever again. God provides and God keeps us from sickness and preserves us and keeps us new just like that puppy. Just keeps us new all the time. Listen, but the three trees, the first tree was the, in the Garden of Eden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was a tree of choice for you and me. We take this choice whether we're going to choose God or not. Are we going to do it our way or are we going to do it His way? And what happened was that tree was the cause of our fall, wasn't it? Sin, curse, death. And then this other tree at the end of the story is this tree of life, of newness, of hope. You see, where in Genesis there was a curse. The Bible says, we just read, there be no more curse. In Genesis, you see, there was this creature that came in and he lied to Adam and Eve. And they they were deceived and they fell. Here we just read, there's going to be no more lying. No lie will ever enter there. There'll never be another opportunity for you and me to fall. There'll never be any more corruption there. It says that the earth will be cursed. There'll be labor and pain and sorrow for the man and the woman. And we just read, there's going to be no more sorrow and pain with this new tree. Listen, there's going to be death. That's when it entered through Adam and Eve. They were supposed to live forever. But we're never going to see death again in this new tree of life. But how do you get from this tree of knowledge of good and evil to the tree of life? Well, there's a third tree. And it's called the cross. You see, the Bible tells us that Jesus hung on a tree. And he took the curse that was given for our sins upon himself. And he hung there for you and me so that through this one tree in the middle, we would make it to the end, that we could make it to the new tree. The Bible says in Galatians that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. 
He hung on that tree for you and me, making a bridge so that we could go from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to the tree of life, that we could make it. He took all that curse on himself so that we could be new. So that he could take that away from us, that curse, that sin, that death, that sorrow. I'll take it. Give it to me. So that you could be new. You could be remade and be new. Listen to what the Bible says. When you accept Jesus, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and new has come. You see, right now, emotionally, physically, we're getting older, we're dying. But spiritually, when you accept Jesus, you're renewed. You're made brand new. It says that God, when he looks at you now, he doesn't see your righteousness anymore. Forget about that. What he sees is the righteousness of Christ. Pure, new, without fault. And spiritually, you're made new the first time you accept Jesus. And Jesus died and hung on that cross so that we could make it all the way to that tree of life. Listen, right now, let's bow our heads for a moment. I don't know if any of you here have not accepted Jesus, but if you have it and you want to, and you say, man, I want to make it to that tree. I want to be there on that day. I want to be with God. Then just pray with me these simple words. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin, to take the curse that was for me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me new. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, the time is coming where everything is going to be made new. Listen, we're going to do communion right now. And communion is that opportunity. It's a celebration of what Jesus did on the cross. It's a remembrance that he is making everything new in your and my life. For me, I'm glad that we don't do it every week. Because communion for me is this opportunity for me and my soul to be washed and made new. Because there's times where we walk, we haven't read the Bible, we haven't been praying, we've kind of been ignoring God. Maybe we've been doing things in our lives we know we shouldn't be doing or even just been careless about it. And sometimes we just go through life and we just kind of forget. And then we get to this moment where we grab that elements, we grab that, the bread and the wine that represent Jesus dying on the cross, and I look at that and I can't just take that without thinking about what he did. And I have to sit there before God and, and ask for forgiveness for the things that I've done wrong. And it's like this washing comes over me. It's like, God, I want to make you new. And that's why we do communion, to remind us, to make us fresh, to make us new. We've already been made new spiritually, but going through that world, we pick up that corruption. We pick up all that stuff, and we need to sometimes come and be washed clean. Listen, we're going to do communion right now. So as you come forward, you can go to either the right or the left or even one and back. Now take those elements, that bread and that wine, and return to your seat, because we're going to take it together in a few minutes. The band's going to play something.
Right now we celebrate what Jesus did on that third tree. Apostle Paul wrote this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus was broken so that we would be made whole, that we would be made new. Let's eat. Matthew records this. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the wine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus paid for our passageway, our sins, so that one day we can drink this with him again in heaven. I look forward to that day. Let's drink. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the sacrifice of Jesus. Lord, you made us new inside. And yet sometimes it's so hard to make it through the day to day. Lord, give us the strength. Strengthen our faith. Make us better, Lord. Help us to always turn to you, despite what circumstances are telling us. Lord, help us know that you're our God. And be there just as you promised, in the midst of the trials. Lord, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.